are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, March 24th, 2022, and this is Locked On Mariners. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. I am your host, Titan Gonzalez. Joined as always by my co-host Colby Patnode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, the Z-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon where we talk about the Mariners even more and also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. Visit patreon.com forward slash control zone for more information on that if you are interested and want more of us. On today's episode of Locked On Mariners, as it just so happens, the Mariners did, in fact, offer Trevor Story a lucrative contract this offseason. We'll be discussing that as well as the reasons you should head to the Mariners' home opener on April 15th. And the Mariners today are deploying a lineup that is more in line with our personal preferences. We'll tell you what we like about it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, give us a follow or subscribe. Wherever you listen to this, we greatly appreciate it. So today... Jeff Passan on ESPN detailed Trevor Story's free agency and how he ended up in Boston on that six-year, $140 million contract. And in the piece, he talked about how the Mariners had offered him a similar contract. And this is something that we had heard. Some people have been talking about this over the last week or so that Story did receive an offer from the Mariners that was north of $100 million. I believe John Hammond was the first one to talk about this. We had also been told this privately as well, that the the Mariners were in that ballpark with him, but they ideally wanted him to play third base. At the time, he declined the Mariners' offer. This has been now confirmed by Passan. The lockout happened, of course, and the Mariners were making a late push before the lockout occurred. That's when he declined it. The lockout happened. Time had passed. Out of the lockout, Story revisited his market, of course, and the Mariners, as Passon put it, retreated. It mostly came down to teams like the Giants and the Red Sox, and the Red Sox ultimately coming away with Story here, but it doesn't seem like the Mariners were in on Story out of the lockout. And that kind of aligns with some things that I was told you've been told as well, Colby. What do you think about all of this? Yeah, it's not all that surprising. Um, we also heard that the offer of the Mariners made story pre lockout was possibly for a little bit more than he ended up getting. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, this is why you can't sit here and say, you know, as a fan or an, or an analyst or anything like that, you can't say, well, the Mariners should have done that deal because apparently they tried to and mm-hmm. story just wasn't interested. Um, right. And you know, that's, that's, that's what happens sometimes. You're not going to be able to, you know, make everybody fall in love with your, with your city, with your team. Um, there are some places, there are some players who just will never want to play in Seattle, whether it's, you know, politics or weather or travel or whatever. Right. Yeah. They're just like never- we've said this before that it might not even have anything to do with the organization itself. Right. Because think about it. These players have to relocate their families to this area as well. This is not a decision that just falls on their shoulders. It's not a decision that just falls on the organizational fit. How do I fit within the team structure? It, it's not just as simple as that. 
and I feel like a, peop- a lot of people overlook that. Right, and I mean, it's it's about players' interest outside of baseball, and you know, Robbie Ray, when he signed, he talked about all the awesome fishing opportunities up here in the Northwest, and, and that's something that was important to him, so uh, it, was a, it was a plus, you know, when Seattle made him his offer, so there's a bunch of little things like that that go into players making these decisions. And sometimes it is the organization. They just don't respect the the Mariners or they don't like, you know, player X or, or coach Y or whatever uh, that, that does come into play on occasion, but you know, that's yeah. really, that doesn't mean just because, you know, Trevor story doesn't want to play for the Mariners. It means the Mariners are an undesirable team to play for. It means Trevor story didn't want to play for the Mariners. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there was, there's also apparently something about, uh, he was hesitant to get vaccinated and, and it appears that the Mariners, you know, regardless of your opinion on this, it appears that the Mariners are, are hesitant to give big money to, uh, any of the guys who were unvaccinated. Um, it just, it seems like that's something they're doing. Now we don't know if Robbie Ray is or isn't, I, I don't know for sure, but, uh, it does seem that way. Cause when you look at that comment and then you look at, you know, the lack of interest in Michael Conforto, um, despite making just tons of sense for Seattle, um, it does appear that that is a stand that they're 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 taking here, and and that probably played a role in, in this as well. So, you know, it's just just one of those things that you know, Story didn't want to be a Mariner. The Mariners may have offered him the best contract he was going to get. You also have to factor in no state income tax in Washington, but you know, either way, yeah. uh, and he just didn't want it. That's fine. Like the Mariners shouldn't pay 20% over market just to get a player who doesn't want to be here to come here. That's what bad teams do. So you just move on and you adjust. So Trevor story wasn't a guy that you just had to have at all cost. And the Mariners agreed with that. And they, they got to their number story. Didn't want it. So they moved on. And the other thing here that I've been seeing on Twitter is, well, you know, it seems like the strategy of committing to JP Crawford has really paid off for the Mariners. I don't think that that really impacted things here at all because Trevor story still went to a place where he's not going to play shortstop. And a lot of teams are legitimately concerned about his elbow and passing alluded to that as well. Teams are also hesitant about giving him, you know, such a commitment because of the Coors field effect. And so the, this was limiting his market. This wasn't just a an issue that was exclusive to the Mariners. The Mariners, quite frankly, were one of the teams that said, you know what, we don't really care about the Coors effect. We're going to make a commitment to this guy. They apparently offered him six years and around $140 million. So, again, I don't think that it has anything to do with J.P. Crawford and shortstop, shortstop being unavailable to Trevor Story. Shortstop wasn't available to him in a lot of places, including the place that he ended up going to. Now, there's obviously the chance that he could end up playing at shortstop in 2023 for the Red Sox, assuming that Xander Bogarts declines his player option. But even then, it's just there's no guarantee of that. There's no guarantee that his elbow is going to hold up over the next year. There's there's a lot that goes into the situation that I think a lot of people are just kind of glossing over right now. And... You know, it's a it's a complicated thing. Free agency discussions in general are complicated things. These negotiations are incredibly complicated. And when you throw in all these factors and then when you look around the rest of the league and, and notice that, hey, Trevor Story also didn't sign with 29 other teams because of these similar issues. 
because not a lot of teams wanted to commit to him at shortstop. A lot of teams viewed him as a second baseman or even a third baseman. The Mariners viewed him as a third baseman, which is, you know, a little weird considering the the question marks surrounding his elbow. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, it just doesn't seem like this was an issue of, of the Mariners being cheap. You know, it, it wasn't. You know, they offered him a, a significant contract and they offered him an opportunity to play a significant position for them, play a significant role for them. And he just didn't want it. And we'll never know what exactly those issues were that, that led to him declining that contract. Obviously, there's the shortstop issue before the lockout. But after the lockout, you know, it, it was pretty clear that his his options were dwindling to to play shortstop. You know, we don't know if Minnesota was one of those teams that were interested in him. They ended up going with Correa, of course. But the Mariners were one of the few teams where, you know, hey, we're, we can't give you shortstop but right now. But, I mean, you could at least see a path there where they could ask J.P. Crawford to move over. There were options there available to them and, and, to, and to story as well. And it, as if he was willing to to kind of play a wait and see game, which is what he's going to do in Boston. So, you know, we'll see how it turns out for him. But uh, ultimately, you know, the, the Mariners didn't get him. And uh, but it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's the uh, the fault of uh, not spend, or wanting to spend the money. So I think that should put some of the uh, the the conversation around the Mariners right now to bed. You know, he says this a lot. It, it takes two to tango, and and you know, it, it's not always about the Mariners not spending money. And and you know, it's I, I think Mariner fans should be pretty um, excited that they were in on the the top of the market, guys. You know, we know for a fact they made an offer on Story. We know that they made an offer on Simeon. We know they made an offer on Bryant. We know they made an offer on Gossman, uh, and obviously they made an offer on Robbie Ray, and he he took it. So, yeah, I mean, those are five of the top what. 10 guys um, and the Mariners were in on them. And the interesting thing about Ray specifically is he, he and his agent came to the Mariners, right? So there is a possibility here for free agents to actually be attracted to Seattle. Just depends on the situation. Depends on the guy, depends on his situation. And these guys are going to be going to be more interested in Seattle. These types of players when they win, and I don't mean win 90 games to get close to the playoffs. I mean make the playoffs, get to an yeah. ALCS, maybe get to a World Series, because then they can't ignore you. And the Mariners are definitely trending in that direction, but they're not there yet. If they had made the playoffs last year, maybe. But even then, if they had made the one-game playoff and lost to Boston, eh, they get to an ALCS right. this year or something like that. Or they, you know, they get to game five of the ALDS, and they only finish a game back of Houston or whatever. Yeah, these guys are going to start to be more and more interested because they can see themselves winning in Seattle. And if you can win, a lot of that other stuff is more easy. Is It's easier to look past uh, for a guy like Story. Mm-hmm. Like, just objectively, the Red Sox are a better, uh, you know, have a better chance to win a World Series this year than the Mariners. Yeah. And also, it's the Red Sox. Yeah, it's there's Finley's history. Park. It's a it's a it's a park that's also pretty favorable for for Stewart yeah. to play in as well. Mm-hmm. There's history there. You know, they they've won in the recent past. Like, yeah, it, it's I like personally, I would pick Seattle, uh, but that's because I'm a Northwest guy, and that's where I'd want to stay. But Story's not. He's a Texas guy. He doesn't care about that. 
He's just going to go to a place that's going to play him the mo- pay him the most money that he has the best chance to win and the best chance to put up numbers. And Boston is ahead of Seattle in that regard. So, yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, even though they didn't get story, they still put together a pretty good roster with guys like Jesse Winker, Adam Frazier, Robbie Ray, who we talked about. And they look poised right now to end the 20-year playoff drought. They're going to be making their debut at home on April 15th against the Astros. We're going to be telling you why you should be there in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Lockdown Mariners is brought to you by Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts you're listening to locked on mariners thank you again for making us your first listen of the day just like you do here every day and just a reminder to check out locked on mlb prospects host lindsey crosby is a prospect encyclopedia and he's going deep on the mlb stars of tomorrow it's free and available wherever you get podcasts just like us so We are two weeks away from opening day. The Mariners are going to be opening up the season in Minnesota against the Twins. And then eventually they're going to make their way home to Seattle for their home opener on April 15th against the Houston Astros. And you should absolutely make your way to the ballpark if you can. Each row throwing out the first pitch they just announced today. Julio Rodriguez might be making his home debut for the Mariners as well. And right now, Simply Seattle, a clothing brand based in Seattle, which has a lot of really dope uh, vintage Seahawks, Mariners, Sonics, all that kind of uh, kind of gear. Um, they are doing a great deal right now for fans where if you spend $30 on Mariners gear, you get a free ticket to opening day. Spend $60 on Mariners gear, you get two tickets. So you can get a hat and go to the ballpark for opening day. It sounds like a pretty great deal to me. Colby, you're going to the game after opening day. You're going to the Saturday game. Uh, How excited are you to get to the ballpark? Which, by the way, they're improving the ballpark experience. They're making strides to doing that, especially with the the concession prices. Tell tell the folks about that and uh, why you're excited to head to the ballpark. Well, first of all, let's throw this disclaimer out there. Hashtag not sponsored. Uh, by Simply Seattle, although they do have very good stuff. You guys should check them out. Um, Also not sponsored by the Seattle Mariners, but, uh, you know, give us a call. Uh, We know the Mariners front office listens to these things sometimes, so, huh? Huh? Um, No, but... uh, We're we're helping you out, folks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Um, No, but, uh, yeah, it's like Ty mentioned the the deal at Simply Seattle. That's a really good deal. You just go get a a nice fresh hat and a free ticket to the ballgame. Um, tough to beat that. Uh, the in stadium upgrades are pretty nice. They announced a few of these yesterday. Uh, they're bringing in a, a value menu, which is great. Uh, food has been way too overpriced, particularly ballpark food. Um, I don't mind so much the, like the private vendors, like, uh, Azelle's chicken. I think, uh, like, I don't care what they charge. It's, it's their right. But the concessions owned by the Mariners, like $12 for a soda. Really? 
But what they're doing now is they have a value menu, hot dogs, nachos, uh, 12-ounce fountain drink, 16-ounce fountain drink, I think, uh, water, peanuts, and licorice, I believe, are all $3 at the high heat uh, locations uh, or scattered around the ballpark. You guys can check it out at mariners.com. But yeah, so value menu menu for food, which, again, is going to save people a ton of money. Free refills on your soda. By the way, I'm sure most of you know this, but they are switching from Pepsi to Coke. So I don't know if, what what your brand is, but what at the ballpark you're going to get Coke. So, uh, but free refills. They're going to have out facing uh, self serve refill areas, so you, sh- you can just walk up and refill your own Coke. You don't have to stand in line um, mm. and, and wait for somebody to refill it for you. They've upgraded the Wi-Fi at the ballpark. It now should be a really uh, solid signal throughout the entire ballpark. There were a few areas where the Wi-Fi is touch and go and where I like to sit. Sometimes it kind of kicks it on and off. Um, but uh, yeah, it's apparently it's going to be better there. Um, so those are, those are really good additions. They, they upgraded their beer list, uh, their five and $6 beer uh, list, uh, canned beer list. Uh, that is also available on Mariners.com. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, if, it's going to be a little bit cheaper to eat at the ballpark. It's going to be um, a little bit more convenient to eat at the ballpark. It should be easier to uh, surf the web, uh, use you know Instagram, Twitter, whatever, what have you, um, at the ballpark. So yeah, they're they're really focusing on fan interaction here. There's probably a bunch of other little things that we won't notice right away, um, but those are some of the big things they announced yesterday. And, and overall, that should improve the. Uh, the ball, the ballpark experience. Um, you know, I, I hope there was some retraining of some of the ushers. Um, there's been more than a few incidents of, of unprofessionalism there over the last few years, but, uh, you know, you, you listen to, you listen to somebody like Katie Griggs and, and, uh, she's impressive. (laughs) Like her resume is, is out of this, you know, out of this world. Uh, president of business operations. Yes. uh, Yes. The Seattle mirrors. Yes one of the most impressive resumes you're going to see. She came in, she's already making these changes um, and off to a good start so far, I would say. And uh, like you said, Ichiro is going to throw out the first pitch on April 15th. And mm-hmm. I think I can't confirm this, but I'm going to say that is there is a 85% chance. That's, that's my number that you're going to see mm-hmm. Julio Rodriguez in center field on opening night. Yeah. So uh, get down to the ballpark. It should be a lot of fun. Um, I know I'm really excited to go on Saturday. Uh, tickets are going fast for opening night, uh, as they usually do. Um, I think they even opened up the right field third deck, those those seats way up there. They're usually not open to the public. They usually don't sell tickets up there. They already are, and, and they might be getting close to selling out. So check it out. Uh, like Ty said, Simply Seattle. Go get yourself a hat. Get a free ticket. Um or, you know, just head Mariners.com, Ticketmaster, Venue Kings, stuff, whatever your ticket, uh, you know, your ticket buying website of choice and uh, have fun. Yeah, for sure. So I'm trying to figure out who would be the pitcher for that game. So we got, well, it's I would assume Robbie Ray is going to be the opening day starter. Right. In Minnesota. The Marco. He's, he's lined up Gilbert. for that, yes. Yeah, then Gilbert, Flexen, Brash. Does that I, seem right? I, I think so, yeah. Then I believe it's going to be Logan Gilbert then. Nice. 
if he's the if he's the number three. It'll either be it'll probably either be Gilbert or Flexen. I mean, maybe they put Marco number three and have Gilbert or Flexen at number two just to go lefty righty lefty righty. Um, but yeah, uh, it it I would say pretty good chance that you're going to be seeing Logan Gilbert uh, in the home opener. Also, it's going to be Jackie Robinson day. So just another great reason to go to the home opener. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I am incredibly jealous of anyone who gets to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, me being up in uh, Toronto watching from afar. It's going to be like that uh, that meme of uh, Squidward watching out the uh, the window of Patrick and SpongeBob running around. Uh, that's going to be me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, absolutely get out to the ballpark and uh, support this team. Uh, they deserve it. And uh, it's going to be a really, really fun season. So by the time you're listening to this, the Mariners have probably already completed their spring training game against the Cleveland Guardians today down at Goodyear Ballpark. Uh, But the Mariners today deployed a really interesting lineup, one that, Colby, you and I like quite a bit. This falls more in line with what we were hoping to see or what we're are hope hoping to see come opening day from the Mariners. Adam Frazier leaning off, leading off, playing second base. Ty France hitting second at first base. Jesse Winker hitting third at left field. Mitch Hanniger hitting fourth in right field. Eugenio Suarez hitting fifth at uh, third base. J.P. Crawford, interestingly, hitting sixth at shortstop. Abraham Toro DHing in the seven hole. Jerry Kelnick. And center field hitting eighth, and then Tom Murphy doing the catching in the number nine hole. What do you think about this lineup, Colby? I think it's um, it's pretty close to what you're going to see on opening day. I, I think, again, I'm, I'm guessing here. There's been no official announcement or anything like that, but I'm going to guess that Kelnick will actually be in left field, Julio will be in center, and uh, Winker will DH. That would be my guess. Uh, which would mean just moving Toro to the bench. Um, but other than that, I think this is pretty much how it's going to look um, or how it should look. Uh, J.P. Crawford, much as you love the guy, he's not the best leadoff candidate on this team. It's it's frankly, I don't know if he's in the top five. Uh, he's closer to five than he is one at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, Frazier is, is one of the best candidates. France is one of the best candidates. Winker is one of the best candidates. And you have them hitting one, two, three. Um, as they should be. And so Hanniger and Suarez mm-hmm. with the power. And then you kind of reset the lineup with Crawford hitting sixth um, ahead of uh, what will probably be Julio, Kalnick, and then Murphy would be my guess for opening mm-hmm. day. Um, it's it's a good lineup. There's there's some pretty good balance there. You know, Left, right, left, right, uh, right uh, for the first four hitters. Um, and then you, you double up on the righties with Hanniger and Suarez before you go Crawford is a lefty. Um, and then Julio in, in my lineup is a righty. Kelnick is a lefty and then Murphy is a righty. So there, there's a lot of, you know, balance, which we know, we know service likes to do. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of his lineups last year feature featured left, right, left, right. Um, mm-hmm. it's something he likes to do. I, I don't care that much about that type of balance, but it is, you know, something service likes. So. Uh, this lineup accomplishes that. It you know it gets your second best leadoff guy at the top of the lineup. It gets you know your two best overall hitters uh, hitting second and third where they should be. Then you get power in the middle with Hanager and Suarez um, hitting four or five. 
so yeah, it's 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 a good lineup. I think this is like I said, I think this is probably the best they can do right now. Um mm-hmm. minus the whole Julio basically taking Toro's spot in the lineup. Um mm-hmm. and then we'll see if Terence can hit or can play catcher. Uh that would be better than Murphy, but uh we don't know that for sure. But uh I would say Terence looks better behind the plate so far, so maybe. Yeah. My general rule here is to have your best hitter in the leadoff spot. That might be Jesse Winker. I would I would say it's Jesse Winker, followed up by uh, Hanniger in France. Um, because that guarantees that your best hitter gets the most at-bats. Yeah, he's not going to do a ton of damage first uh, time through the lineup. But you're going to get more at-bats for him naturally. You're going to guarantee that. So this isn't really that. Adam Frazier isn't the best hitter on the Mariners, but this is a, this is a great improvement. Um, Frazier really good on base skills, uh, can hit for average, all that stuff. He doesn't strike out. Um, yeah, the, he, he's, if we're stacking up him against JP Crawford, it's Frazier all day for me. Um, I, I, that's not a slight on JP and the improvements that he's been able to make over the last year. But I think, you know, putting him closer down to the bottom of the lineup, it just lengthens your lineup all, you know, even more so than it already was. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just think that that makes your lineup even more dangerous. And um, so I, I, I like this more than than running Crawford at the top and Frazier hitting sixth or seventh or eighth or, or, or ninth. I think this is just better utilization of those two guys. Um Toro is kind of interesting too because I would throw Toro into the mix of 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 hitting leadoff. I I think he can do it. I think he can do it well. I think he's going to hit for a high average this year. I think he's going to be able to get on base quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. but the you know the thing with him is is he actually going to be a regular in the lineup or is he going to be someone that you only see maybe three four times a week? If Toro plays three four times a week, that's not an everyday player, but that that's not a bench guy either. That that's you know four hundred yeah. bats so. Um, still he's going to play a lot, but yeah, I mean, like, I think you're just looking for like the max, the, like your most maximized lineup, your optimized lineup. Toro's probably on the bench to make room for mm-hmm. either Torrens or Suarez or, you know, uh, Julio. Yeah. yeah. So, I, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a very good, uh, I think he has very good leadoff potential. I'd say that I don't want to say he's a good leadoff candidate yet. But he certainly has a potential. He doesn't strike out. He doesn't swing and miss. Um, and he's he's a better runner than people think. Um, 76 percentile on sprint speed last year for Toro. So not mm-hmm. a base stealer, but he can definitely cut the bases. He's a good athlete. He makes a lot of contact. Um, doesn't strike out. That's, that's a pretty good leadoff hitter. And I, I think he's probably Toro's probably going to hit. I'd be pretty surprised if Toro didn't hit at least 250 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think I think there's a non-zero chance he's Adam Frazier at the plate. That's a pretty good mm-hmm. player. So let me ask you this before we hop off. If you're going to have Julio Rodriguez in, in say this lineup, you're going to have to use the D eight spot for either Jesse Winker or Mitch Hanniger. Who do you prefer? Or rather who hurts you less in the <laughs> outfield? Oh man. Um, that is a tough question. Um, I think Hanniger probably hurts you less. Um, 
but I don't know. As long as they're both not out there, you'll survive. So, um, you know, plus Hanniger's been here. He's done that, blah, blah, blah. So if he wants to play right field a little bit more than Winker wants to play left, then just let him. And, and both of those guys are going to rotate through. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if Hanniger didn't get, um, I don't know, 150 plate appearances out of the DH spot, out of his 600 or so, assuming health. Um, I think you probably might get 150, 200 plate appearances of that out of the DH. So he's going to, mm-hmm. he's going to, you know, he's going to have that role probably, I would say 30% of the time. Winker's probably going to have it 35, 40% of the time. Then you have Terenz, and then obviously there are guys you want to give half day offs to. And what do you do when Kyle Lewis comes back? Like the DH spot is going to be a fascinating one to watch, um, throughout the mm-hmm. year because there's a pretty good chance it's a different guy every day. And that's fine. That's what you want. That's why you didn't go yeah. out and you didn't sign. Um, you know, that's why you didn't go out and sign. Nelson uh, Cruz. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Nelson Cruz. So yeah, I, I would say that's, uh, remember the Albert Pujols saga. <laughs> <laughs> he's still Did out he there by the way. No, he's still out there. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh no. So watch out for that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think this lineup is a pretty good one, and I think it's better than anything they've run out there so far. Uh, I like JP hitting sixth. I, I think that's kind of a a second leadoff type of guy because, you know, in theory, Haniger and, and Suarez should clear the bases, right, with their power. Um, yeah. We'll see how, how opening day lineup looks, but I wouldn't be shocked at all, at all if it looks almost exactly like this. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is going to do it for our show today. Thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidane Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. Now make your second listen of the day Locked On MLB where Paul Francis Sullivan, and please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the Major League's President Pass. It's free wherever you get your podcasts just like us. So have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we will see you tomorrow. Peace.